Welcome to New View Advice, a safe place for you to ask your most vulnerable questions about life, relationships, healing, and so much more. I'm your host, Amanda DeRocher, and I believe our fears and traumas are often what hold us back from living life to the fullest. Join me here each week as I offer advice on how to move through whatever is holding you back from being your best self. Let's get started. Hi, beautiful souls. My name is Amanda, and this is New View Advice. If you're new here, this is a healing-centered advice podcast where I offer guidance for the healing journey. It is not my intention to give you the answers. I believe you have all the answers you seek. You just may need a new view and a little guidance along the way. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Today, I am joined by Andrea Giles, who will be helping me answer two listener questions about healing from infidelity. I am so grateful that Andrea has agreed to come on the podcast and is offering her wisdom today. For anyone unfamiliar with Andrea, Andrea is a certified life coach and the host of the podcast, Heal from Infidelity, as well as a mother to 12 in a big blended family. Her main coaching focus lies in helping women decide to stay or go after infidelity in her signature program, No in 90. In addition to coaching and taking care of her family, Andrea loves good music, being outside, and traveling anywhere and everywhere. Today, Andrea and I will be answering two questions. One question is from a listener who is indecisive about if they should stay or go after being cheated on. And the second question is from a listener who feels a lot of rage and anger right now after being cheated on and wants to know if there has to always be something wrong in the relationship when somebody cheats. So I'm excited for you to listen to this episode and to hear more about Andrea and her wisdom she has to share. So let's get started. Welcome to New View Advice. As you know from the intro, today I am speaking with Andrea Giles and we'll be speaking about healing from infidelity. As many of you know, this is a very popular topic that I receive so many questions about and that I've learned through doing this podcast so many people struggle with. So I'm so grateful that Andrea has agreed to come on and share her wisdom with us. Hi, Andrea. Thank you for being here. Hello. Thank you so much. Very excited to be here. If you don't know already, Andrea actually has a podcast, Heal from Infidelity, which is how I found Andrea when I was searching for different resources to learn more about this topic. And I think Andrea does such an amazing job with her podcast. The episodes are short, they're digestible, and I just love how you are able to speak about the healing journey from infidelity in such a grounded way. It feels really accessible, and I feel like your podcast offers so many people hope on their own journeys. I was wondering if you could share with us how you decided to start your podcast. Sure. So I'll just tell you a little bit about how like my business journey started from a personal journey. I experienced a lot of betrayal and deceit, things like that in my first marriage. And I ended up getting divorced and, and navigated a lot of different things. Part of that was like we got divorced and then seven months after we got divorced, he was killed in a car accident and just like a lot of stuff happened. And I knew at the time that somehow I I was going to be helping women who were navigating some of the same things. I just knew it. And then through different experiences, I, I thought that it was going to look like therapy and then coaching was presented to me. I'm like, nope, th- this is it. This is what I'm doing. And so five years ago, I jumped in and did a bunch of certifications and trainings and all kinds of things to to go ahead and hang up my coaching shingle and get started. 
And in 2020, at the beginning of the year, I just had a lot of people, much like yourself, asking questions and wanting more digestible, right, information that they could just listen to anytime. And so I decided it's time. It's time to start a podcast and put it out there. And when I did it, I had the, I was so scared. I was so nervous. And the, the image that I had in my head is thinking about people who, you know, it was like 2 a.m. And they're just like, I just don't, I don't know what to do. My world just blew up. I was picturing them putting AirPods in or whatever headphones on and just picking an episode and turning it on. And getting some kind of guidance, some kind of comfort, some kind of peace, something that can help them to feel more settled and feel more productive, like they're getting somewhere. So that's really how my podcast was born, was with that image and thinking of the people who just like in real time, like right now, I need some help. Yeah, I love that. And I can see that visual too, because I see that with my podcast as well. I think a lot of people find my podcast at different rock bottom moments. Yeah. At those moments where people are like, okay, something needs to change. A lot of times that happens through trauma, through a traumatic experience, or it happens years later when you're finally ready to look at the trauma. Yeah, that's a visual I have as well. So I think that's beautiful that you created it for that. Awesome. Thank you. With all the different clients you work with and throughout your own journey, I was wondering what your biggest piece of advice would be for somebody who's just at the beginning of their journey? I would say to somebody who's at the beginning that I know that it feels like your life just blew up. Like that the things that you thought were, are are not. Many of the things that you thought were like your foundation might feel totally rocked. And what I would say to people in that space is to trust the process of that this is going to help push you forward in your own growth like many other things don't. It's something that like busts us open so much that it is an opportunity to really take a hard look at lots of different parts of our lives and very intentionally build a life that we really want to be in. And so right now it feels like your life's just been demolished, right? And I would say, yeah, I get it. It does feel that way. And you have so much to look forward to and you're going to blow your own mind with what you build from this place and just trust the process. It doesn't happen to have to happen today. You don't have to have any answers today, but it's coming. It is sincerely an opportunity to create a really intentional life. I love that. And I can second that and say that I think that's so true as well. Throughout my own healing journey, I've found the same thing where most people who listen to this podcast already know, but my background is that I came to the healing journey through sexual assault and rape. And it's another thing that is similar where you feel like you're at a rock bottom, but the journey back home to myself was one of the best gifts I've ever given myself. Ah, yeah, you get it. Beautiful. Yeah, it was so interesting. I did a healing circle for people who had been cheated on in the fall, and there's so much mirrored in the sexual assault and the cheating journey the feelings of betrayal, the feelings of anger and rage, the feelings of confusion, the feelings of being like out of your body because of what has happened to you. I just thought it was so interesting. I had never seen it before, but doing this circle with these women, I was like, wow, I see myself in you, even though my trauma is different, but these are universal human emotions and they're very deep ones that are very uncomfortable. And both of these traumas bring people kind of to their knees, to that praying moment where you're like, okay, God, what do I do? Yep. Totally. Totally. Like I think sometimes 
extreme pain can be a doorway to walk through to get to this place of just the, like you said, the rock bottom, all of that, the intense emotion, all the questions, all of the things, it can be like this doorway that opens up into a place of more truth, more intention, more, more joy, more of everything that we just didn't know before. Like it, it's like a demolition that can bring forth so much good and beauty. Yeah, I love that perspective. I know I'm seeing it kind of like you're at like you have a house that's built on a faulty foundation. Yes. You know, and yes. you keep building on top of it. And it's moments like these that send everything to the ground and then you get the chance to rebuild it with a strong foundation. Yep. Yep, exactly. Yeah. On purpose. Yes, on mm -hmm. purpose and with intention. Yep. I agree. I just got off a call with a client who like they're 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 navigating rebuilding and something that I say all the time in this new building phase is that it has to be sustainable. And what I mean by that is like to that house analogy, if we're just like, you know, the houses that go up and they're like, it looks like they just got thrown up. Do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in new neighborhoods, like, oh my gosh, there's five new houses that just sprung out of nowhere. Right. That is not the goal. And a lot of times we, we think that we need to hurry. We need to hurry and patch this up and put this back together or whether you're staying or going after infidelity, like I need to get better. I need to hurry and put this behind me and move forward. And that is just not true. It's not true. What the goal here is, is building sustainably, building something that's going to last. And even if it takes a little bit longer, even if it's more uncomfortable now than it would be to just patch something up and slap it, you know, put a wall up, put a picture on it, call it good, right? Just the sustainability piece is ultimately what's going to bring you the most joy and safety and loving the space that you've built. Yeah, I love that. I was actually going to ask you about that because I think the impatience part, because I yes. think so many people who write into me are feeling so impatient mm -hmm. with how long the healing is taking or impatient with making their decisions. They feel like they should know right away, should I stay, should I leave? And I think, like you said, it's you're building a sustainable foundation. These are things I believe you should take time to reflect on. No decisions need to be made right away. And also the healing, it takes time. And that's part of the beauty of it is I learned through my healing journey, patience. Exactly. Like we, we don't need to be in a hurry. In fact, as we kind of let things unfold and go like a, a natural course, I say that with caution because sometimes the natural course can be disastrous when we let like our, our lower brain take over. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so by natural course, I mean like with intention, but not pushing and rushing the process and trying to make ourselves go faster. I think that that's actually a great place to jump into the first question because I feel like I could sense some impatience in this first question. So let's jump on in. Two months ago, I found out my girlfriend of five years was hooking up with a coworker. When I confronted her about the situation, she broke down and was completely remorseful and overcome with guilt. Her justification was that she let curiosity get the better of her and was worried that when we got married 10 or so years down the track, she might be curious. My issue now is that when I dig down deep within myself and ask myself how I feel towards her, the voice says, I don't like her. She's hurt me. But prior to her cheating, I was the happiest man on the planet. 
I've been strong these last two months to try and give it time to maybe heal instead of instantly breaking it off. But as time goes on, I resent her more and more. I really like the point you made about not painting them with the once a cheater, always a cheater brush, because this mistake was extremely out of character for her, but I did nothing wrong in this scenario, and I don't know if I'm strong enough to be able to move past it. Do you have any tools, resources, or advice to help me decide what to do next? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay, so one key piece that jumped out there at me is about the resentment. And to this to this person that sent in this question, what I would say to you and to all of you listening is that resentment can be a really helpful signal that of some specific things to look at. Okay. Resentment is born from a few different things. One main reason we resent is because there's things that we need that we think that we can't have. And it's somebody else's fault. Like it's directed towards the person that we are resenting. Okay. So in this situation, you're feeling resentment towards her. The cure for resentment is first of all, owning your own resentment and looking at what's it actually about? Like, what are my fears here? What are my needs? What are the things that I want here that I think I can't now have because of her? That's one huge piece of resentment. Another huge piece of resentment is when we become more responsible for something for in this case, it's your relationship, right? Like when we take on more responsibility than what is ours, when other people are just as capable, we often feel resentment towards them. It's called overfunctioning. It's when we kind of put this burden on ourselves to fix it, to override some of our own feelings, our own experience with it, to try to just keep this relationship together. Resentment can come up there because there's things that we are trying to take responsibility for that never were ours in the first place. They're not ours to carry. And so what I would say to you, what are you taking responsibility for that you can set down that you can just hand back and say, you know what, this piece is not mine. I did hear in there, like, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but, and none of it was mine. None of it was my fault. Even with that piece I want to give some caution to saying that, okay, this is kind of an unpopular opinion. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm going to jump in. <laughs> we all help co-create the relationships we're in. We do. We co-create them. Yes. <laughs> so true. And it's kind of a harsh reality. <laughs> now, do we drive somebody to go cheat on us? That's a big fat no for me. Like, do we make somebody go cheat on us? No, we sure don't. Okay. But where, where we can contribute and where I see this relationship in danger in the future is, is there a climate of like radical honesty, even if it's really hard to hear? Are we a completely safe person to talk to? Like, like what's it like to be with us? Like, am I somebody that if she came to me, and said, hey, I'm, I'm really afraid that we're going to get 10 years into this marriage and I'm going to wonder what I missed. If I'm going to wonder if there are things that I, whatever, you know, and asking yourself, how would I have responded and being honest to that? It might be that you were very grateful for her being honest with you and that you could have navigated it and worked through it. That's very possible. 
but looking at what's the part that I helped contribute to, to create the kind of relationship where this happened. And am I wiser now? Like, how am I being wiser now? Those are a few thoughts here, looking at where you might be hiding a little bit behind resentment. Hiding, I say hiding because we can use resentment to avoid situations, to avoid conversations, to avoid moving forward, to really move forward from this in a sustainable way that's not going to burn you guys to the ground, right? Like Like Amanda said earlier about, you know, building a home. We want it to be structurally sound and resentment is a killer. Mm. Resentment is something that can just burn you to the ground. If it's, it, it's like, it can become this out of control fire. And so I suggest taking full ownership of the resentment and looking at where there's things that you want that are not being met, owning them, they're yours. And instead of blaming her for those things, how can you be courageous and step into a conversation where you're very clear about this is this is what I need here. This is what I want here. Is this something that you can that you can help with? Is this something you can do? And resentment kind of melts away when we see that somebody is willing to to look at those things with us. And on the flip side, if they're not, it's good to know. Hmm. I call yes. it data collecting. We're just gathering data. Good to know. Okay. This is somebody that maybe is not invested in creating something that is super sustainable and strong. They might be more interested in a patch up job. And that just does not work for me. I think that you hit it like the nail on the head with the resentment piece. The other thing that stuck out to me with this question was that I wonder, I think this person has a lot of self-awareness and has been really in their head about this situation. And I think As you suggested, I think communicating and learning to communicate is going to be a key thing moving forward in this relationship. And I wonder how much you've expressed what you're expressing here to your partner. And also with those thoughts you're having, my question to you would be, how much have you allowed yourself to feel this experience? I find with a lot of people who write in, they have a lot of self-awareness. They can analyze what happened. But have you allowed yourself to feel and grieve the relationship you once had? Amen. Mm -hmm. Because I heard you say it on one of your episodes, Andrea, but if you stay or if you go, you're creating a new relationship. So that old relationship no longer exists. And you have to go through a grieving process. And you will not just be able to skip that part. You can't skip the feeling the feelings part. Nope. Perfect. Perfect advice. Yeah, like that that goes back to with resentment. Sometimes some of the things that we resent are we do need to process these emotions. It is an absolute need. It's not just a thing for when it's convenient or on a day when I have nothing better to do, <laughs> right? Like it it is absolutely essential. And the other piece here that can be really hard and uncomfortable is that when we are looking at the possibility of staying in relationships, we got to let other people in on it and not hide it from them. Like not hide from them what we are processing. And the beautiful thing here is I see a lot that sometimes my clients are really afraid to do this, like to really let their partner see. And sometimes the partners will say, when are you going to move past this? When is, why do you need to keep bringing it up? I said, I'm sorry. 
I don't care. Like I like if you're going to build something sustainable, we get to be in our feelings and we get to share them and take responsibility for them. That doesn't mean attacking. It doesn't mean we still have to own how we express them. That's still ours, ours to mm-hmm. carry, right? It doesn't mean free reign to be mean, right? We still have to take ownership of how we show up in these conversations, but sometimes just giving ourselves permission to say, I'm going to let this person see how deeply this hurt me. I'm going to let them see me cry. I'm going to let them see me like this really deeply hurt me. And seeing how this other person can be there with you in that is a big deal, Mm -hmm. right? Like, can they, Mm -hmm. can they be there with me? So yeah, absolutely. Full permission to go into the emotion and really feel it and let your partner be a witness to it. Yeah. I love that. The inviting your partner in to witness that process, because like you were saying, we have to take responsibility for those emotions. So the resentment is yours. The anger is yours. But it's also communicating that those are present is a big part of creating, I believe, a healthy relationship. Yep. And the other side of this coin here is that the more that we honor ourselves and have these conversations and and like share our emotions, things like that, it's a beautiful thing because we're actually inviting the other people in our lives to do the same. So for example, yes. so much of the time with the person who cheated, oh, they're, they're so buried in shame, like so much shame, so much guilt. Most of the people that I work with, they, they didn't seek out to cheat on their partner or their spouse, whatever they weren't planning on it. Right. They, it's yes. something that they came by honestly, that, they look at themselves and go, I can't believe that I was that person. I did this. This is real. And for them, they will want more than anything to move forward and never talk about it again. Never bring it up because it's so painful. And so when we can be honest and really share, not from a manipulative way, not from a punishing way, but from a real, this is what this is for me. This is how this feels for me. And if we share it with our partners, it gives them an opportunity to feel with you. For them to heal, guess what? They need to feel all of it too and not run from it. And so it's really an invitation to allow them to step into whatever they're feeling, guilt, shame, sadness, grief, loss, all of these things, and creating the safe place for all of it. Yes, I love that. I love that you touched on that because... Some of my one-on-one clients are people who have cheated and they really suffer with the shame, don't know how they got there. And what I hear a lot of times is what's the hardest part for them is that shutdown of the other person is the, I I don't want to talk about this. And I've heard it from both ends, from people who have been cheated on or people who have cheated, that when the other person closes the door to that emotional conversation, it doesn't help the process. So it's really learning how can we communicate together these tough issues. And again, this is like the foundation was rocky. If you weren't able to communicate about a lot of these things, I think a lot of us go into relationships and don't have great communication patterns. And a situation like this is unfortunate, but it can really teach us how to communicate better with the people we're building a life with. Yes. And we have a a strong motivation to do it, right? Like everything is on the line. So let's just do this. And I just want to offer that I think when you do learn to communicate about your feelings, you'll realize you actually enjoy it. 
Uh, a lot of people don't like feeling feelings. <laughs> I get a lot of questions about that. Like I said, I get a lot of people in their heads. And when you learn to appreciate your feelings and the information behind your feelings, it's very therapeutic to start talking about your feelings and it's very freeing. Mm -hmm. In a world that doesn't want us to talk about our feelings, it can be really scary. But when you start to do it, you realize it's actually a natural part of being human. Mm -hmm. Yep. I would agree completely. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't die. Like I shared yeah. <laughs> like from <laughs> like from my depths, you know, really shared. I let somebody see me and allowed myself to feel it fully. And I'm still here and I feel better, like amazing, right? Like I actually feel better. Yeah. So yes. Do you have any other suggestions or piece of advice for this listener? Yeah, I have one more thing. I think that one really important piece is looking at where you think you should do a certain thing or should be a certain way. Because sometimes the truth of the matter is, yeah, I do recommend doing the work to heal, whether you stay or whether you go, not to let it consume you for years to come. Like that is a necessity, but giving yourself full permission. Like if I gave myself full permission to leave, like really settling into that. If I could just say, you know what? I want to heal. I want to rebuild myself, but I don't know that I want to do that here. Mm -hmm. Giving yourself full permission. There's no should here of what you should do. And really it's about what you have the bandwidth for, what, you know, there's a lot that goes into rebuilding a relationship, there's mind work, there's body work, there's all these different things that mm -hmm. need to happen. And it's like, is this, yes, I'm going to do this anyway for myself, but is this a place where I want to put that effort? And it's okay if it's not. It's okay to give yourself permission not to. In fact, for my clients who they're like, no, I've got, we got to make this work. It's really amazing because when they give themselves permission not to, like I actually could just say, I don't want to, I think I'm going to do something else. When they give themselves actual permission, like really go there, they give themselves permission to fully choose to really step into it and go, actually, this is what I want. But it's not until you give yourself full permission to leave, like really feel it. Like I do not have to stay. And I don't have to justify my reasons for leaving. I don't have to explain it to anybody. I don't even need to explain it to myself. Mm. Like I can just decide that this, this is not for me. This is not a place that I want to continue. And I can still love this person and, and decide that this is the end for us, that this is the end of this chapter. It's complete. And giving yourself permission to do that is where for those who decide to step back into the relationship, it's so much more intentional. It's so much deeper from this knowing that this is what I want. And it makes the work of rebuilding so much more powerful, intentional, clear of what needs to happen rather than kind of feeling this resentment because like I have to stay here or I'm just a jerk. I'm just giving up too quick. I'm not being forgiving. I'm not being loving. Like let those things go and really give yourself full permission either way. Step into it. Feel it. I love that. I love that because... Yes, relationships are a choice and returning to the choice to be in them. I talk a lot about shoulds and how shoulds one of like the most dangerous words in the English language because we torment ourselves with what we should be doing, what our life should look like, should, should, should. 
And in order to be intentional, it's coming back to, like you said, that choice. Mm -hmm. And I think that for this listener, that might really help with the indecision they're feeling about how they feel like they've been powering on for two months and they don't know what to do, that really sitting in the choice, that it's a choice to stay and it's a choice to leave. I also, like you said, I think that'll help with the resentment as well. Like no one's making me, right? Like I can leave. What do I actually want, right? A sure bet is betting on yourself that by going all in on on this work, you're going to come out in a really good place. And I really do believe that. A, A place of a lot more wisdom and maybe painfully earned, but a lot more wisdom nonetheless. Yeah. The inner work's hard. I think there's a reason not everybody does it. You know, it's difficult. But when you commit to yourself, it's it's a journey home to self. And it's a beautiful place to be, but it doesn't mean it's easy every day. Thank you so much for this question. And we are sending you so much love as you continue to heal and as you navigate this chapter and figure out what's best for you. Hi, Amanda. My fiance cheated on me two years ago. It has been a truly traumatic experience. I have trust issues, fear of rejection, and abandonment. I feel I have done a lot of healing on this journey, and I know the healing never really stops and that it does have layers. With my current fiance, I did a complete 360. Instead of playing out my trust issues, also I had done a lot of emotional healing and therapy, I fully and wholeheartedly embraced and trusted something that at its core is so vulnerable and scary to do. I found out he was cheating on me with one of his clients, a 22-year-old girl still living with her parents, and it went on for over a month. My question is, I feel that I get triggered by anger and rage so much when I hear or read podcasts about cheating when they say cheating happens because there is something wrong in the relationship. I have asked my partner why. Was he not happy? And his answer is always, I was happy, our life was perfect, and I was just stupid. I feel such deep emotions and feel that sometimes it's a cop-out to say they were unhappy in a relationship, that's why he cheated on her, or there was something wrong, or she wasn't giving him enough sex, which wasn't the case at all. Our sex life, emotional life was good, but it still happened. Possibly I trusted him too much, but is that not what we are supposed to do in a loving relationship? Could it not just be the cheater's fault for cheating without throwing blame on the other partner or the relationship? I also still hold a lot of rage towards the girl. It's something that I'm still working through. Any advice? Okay, so to begin with, I think our society has slapped so many labels on infidelity, so many around, oh, it must be that this is not happening in the marriage, just like or in the relationship, not enough of this, too much of this. She's too this, she's too pushy, whatever. Okay. And in reality, yeah, we all have relationship dynamics, every single one of us, like just until we die, right. There's going to be dynamics in a relationship. It will never be perfect. It will never be perfect. Yes. That is a piece, but there's also this piece where people come into relationships with an opportunity to heal parts of them that have not been healed. And it sounds to me like in this relationship that this was his work. This is his work to do that has been neglected long before you came into the picture, that it actually does not have anything to do with you. That's not to say that we don't take responsibility for, you know, how we show up in our relationships. We still like we'd be doing ourselves a disservice if we just were like, well, I had, it's not me, not me. Look over there. And yeah, you did not make the decisions, right? All of that. But just looking at 
some good questions are, what is it like to be with me? What is it like to be in a relationship with me? Am I approachable? Am I like, how do I handle conflict? How do I, if I have something that I want to talk about, what's my approach? Do I make it easy for somebody to hear me? Right. This is in every relationship. Okay. Mm-hmm. So these are things to look at for sure. Another thing to look at in, I, I'm using air quotes as I say this, like happy relationships. I believe that there are a lot of happy relationships where infidelity happens, but sometimes what that happiness is about is there might be some avoidance. Like, are there some things that do feel off or that I want more of, but that I avoid to keep the peace and to keep us happy? Like really digging into that, going, are there things that I really did have an issue with or that I wanted more of or on both sides, but that I thought that to to be happy, I needed to just like deal with it and carry on and like look at all the good and cup half full. And we do ourselves a, a disservice when we do that. We all do stupid things sometimes and we can chalk it up to, you know, we're, we're humans and we're going to do stupid things, but to really learn what we need to n- learn, to not repeat it, we have to dig deeper. And mm-hmm. to really look at what was happening for me, like when, when this person, what, why, how was I vulnerable? Because my guess is that this person did not, just like I said, in the past question, wasn't like, oh yeah, I'm going to go do this thing. I'm going to get away with something. Right. It was mm-hmm. more like there was a vulnerability. There was something vulnerable where this person offered something that felt that felt, you felt something that, that Mm -hmm. felt really good. Often it's validation. Often like when we're feeling really insecure or shaky about things, somebody just offering us all this validation, telling us how wonderful we are. It feels amazing. It feels amazing. Mm -hmm. And so it can become literally, it can become like a drug. It's like this massive dopamine hit. And then we look for the phone calls. We look for the, the texts, we look for the, and even the secrecy of it that alone can be a real dopamine hit. Like we're getting away with something. And so I would say him saying, I just did something stupid. Okay. But it's still not enough. It's still not what, what's going to help build safety here is for you to see that he has some real understanding of what actually happened for him, where he Mm -hmm. was vulnerable. Where was, where did he let his guard down? Where did he let his walls down? Because what you're looking for is, okay, so how do I know in the future that this isn't going to happen again the next time you are stressed at work? Or if we're having an issue, that you're not going to let your guard down and let something else like this happen. How do I know that you are dealing with yourself, that you're healing these parts of you so that you have better skills and tools and coping mechanisms and all of these things so that I'm not putting myself at risk here? right? By staying with you. Like you're a liability right now. (laughs) That sounds Mm -hmm. harsh, but like if, if somebody is, if they're not dealing with their own issues and their own risks to themselves, they're putting the people around them in harm's way. Coming at it from that angle, like a lot of times it can feel like such a, such a shock because like, I thought we were happy. How can I trust our happiness in the future? The way that I think about it, it has the potential here to go from being like Disneyland happy to thinking of like 
a long-term, really deep well of wisdom, happiness, choosing, knowing, like wisdom. And I'd rather have wisdom over Disneyland happiness any day. Yes, me too. Yeah. I agree with that because to me, the word perfect, our relationship was perfect, is a bit of a red flag. Yep. No relationship is perfect. Nope. Nothing really in life is perfect. Nope. So describing it as perfect to me is surface level and is avoiding what's below that perfect exterior. The only things that are perfect to me are like the outside of a house that looks perfect, but we don't know what's going on behind the closed doors. Yep, exactly. And one of the things that that we do a lot is, I know for me growing up, the standard that I was kind of taught is, oh, we never fight, right? We never fight. We're always kind. We have such a great marriage because we never fight. I remember hearing that from people. And that is what's described as a polite pretend and parallel relationship where you're like, we're always kind to each other. We're always polite and kind of living parallel lives where there's not like the real intimacy going on. This is where sometimes things blow up because we're missing these huge pieces. We're not really looking even at ourselves of what's really going on for us. We're avoiding it like crazy, like just polite, pretended, parallel, carry on, right? Look how happy we are. Look at what a model we couple we are for all these other people, right? The opposite of that is when we're vulnerable, where there's radical truth telling, where we're really mm-hmm. in it. And, and that is real intimacy. And that is where like you said, Amanda, there is not ever going to be a perfect relationship. It does not exist. And so to say it is, is a, a clue to me too. Like you said, that there's probably some things that have been avoided, that have been worked around. Like we're not going to go through it. We're going to go around it. And mm-hmm. so we can still feel like this is just so perfect, right? And yeah, I say lean into the hard lean into the things that you might have been avoiding. This is where something that is like really deep and powerful and lasting can be built is on honesty, transparency, vulnerability. And it's way better. It's way better. Yeah. Yeah. And that vulnerability is often what we're craving. So many of people, I know I've been this way before, don't feel loved in a loving, quote unquote, loving relationship. And what was lacking in my past in so many relationships, including friendships and family members, was that lack of vulnerability, was that lack of true trust, which was knowing if things got messy, these people would still be there. Yeah, absolutely. Like we all, I think, have friendships that in hindsight, we can look at them and go, yeah, It was like, I'll tell you how great you are. You tell me how great I am. And that's how a relationship works. And that's how a lot of relationships are at the beginning. Okay, you tell me what you want me to say to you and I'll say it. And then you tell me what I want you to say. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right? And we go into these relationships thinking that that's how it's always going to (laughs) be. And it's, it's not. Sometimes we do try to carry that on, but it's not reality. And like a real trusting relationship, like really when we're doing the work is where we can actually hold a mirror to somebody else and show them themselves and say, this is what it's like to be married to you. This is my experience of you and let like loving them enough to do that, loving them enough to let them see it. 
Yeah, I love that. The one other thing I wanted to add to this question was that I wanted to touch on the anger piece this listener mentioned, the anger and the rage. I think that anger and rage get a bad rap, but I actually am a fan of these emotions. I think that anger and rage, when you can come into good relationship with your anger and rage, have so much information for you. Your anger and rage are not there to punish you. They're there to show you what you need. And they're there to show you where your boundaries have been crossed or what you've been ignoring. And anger and rage can feel so difficult because you've probably been ignoring something. And the anger and rage arise almost as a mirror of like, you can't ignore this. This is uncomfortable. And I think so many people are afraid of their anger and rage. And I talk about that sometimes on the podcast, how so many of us, when we were younger, anger and rage were used against us. Or when we express them as children, we were punished or told that they were bad emotions. So we hide our anger and rage, and then it comes out when we don't want it to. So I think such an important part of the healing journey is coming into relationship with your anger and rage. I could not agree more. Just earlier this week, I was in my my group coaching program, and one of the, the people in there told me that she is still really struggling with rage towards the other woman and that she's just so mad. And it was her best friend for 15 years. That's who the affair partner was. It was really interesting in asking her questions and exploring it deeper. She had not even, she had not given herself permission to fully process it, to like let herself be really angry. She would distract herself. She would try to try to analyze it in her mind. And really it is still up to us to own what we do with our emotions, right? Like sometimes we might Mm -hmm. feel like slashing tires or things like that. It's still up to us to own what we do with our emotions, what actions we take from our emotions, but we get to feel them. And, and really the only way through is to fully allow ourselves to feel it. And so sometimes anger and rage, sometimes it looks like a physical thing that you allow to work through. I remember in my first marriage when I was, I knew that I was getting divorced and it was just so painful. And I was so mad. I was so mad because I knew that it didn't have to be that way. Like if he would just tell me the truth, like if we could Mm -hmm. work through this, we had six kids, like it was just devastating. I was devastated. And I was so mad, you know, that I was in the position I was that my kids were, my kids were doing Taekwondo at the time. (laughs) And I decided to sign up for Taekwondo. And I remember just kicking the heck out of the boards and out of the pad things that we had. Like I just, it was such a good outlet for me at that time. Cause I could be mad. I could be really, really mad and have a physical outlet for it. And so I think that a good question to ask yourself is how much have I actually given myself permission to feel rage, to feel angry, and then giving yourself places to let it out, like to process it, to feel it, to give it a place to be like a safe place to to be, to come out, to be seen. It's like pulling up a chair, like, Hey, I see you. Let's do this. Let's do this. Yeah. And I agree with finding a physical outlet for it too, especially when I was at the beginning of like my rage journey, it was, it needed to be expressed physically. And it needed to come out in different ways. And for me, I also needed to use my voice, which I felt like was taken from me. 
so I would sit in my car and I would just scream at the top of my lungs. Uh, yeah. It felt like a safe environment because nobody was there. It yep. was LA traffic. I mean, I had like you know, <laughs> so much time in traffic and the car wouldn't move and I would just scream at the top of my lungs to let it out. And also using nature is one I always recommend for safety. Throwing rocks in water hitting a tree and then thanking the tree or just pushing against a tree, like visualizing yourself, just letting it out, but using different aspects of nature for me has been really healing in my relationship with rage, mm-hmm. finding safe places for it. Yeah. Yep. It's there to serve us like in a loving way to be there for us. I agree. And another thing, another quick thing I'll add there is I'm, I'm imagining you and where you're felt the need to scream sometimes we can just pay attention to where we feel the rage in our body. And it might be that like our throat feels super constricted. We might be really sore in our neck. We might be so tight. And that's a signal to to open up and to like, let your voice be heard, to move those muscles, to give them space, to expand, to be expressed and notice, like notice what's going on for your body. Your body will let you know where it needs to be heard essentially. So a lot of times we do feel like a tightness in our throats. And that is an Mm -hmm. indication that we need to open up our throat and let our voice be heard. Yes, I love that. I think the healing journey does bring us back to the body, which so many of us are disconnected from. Yeah. And learning, for example, with this question or with the question before with the resentment, like we got where in your body is that emotion sitting? Yep. And getting to know that Mm -hmm. and what it's communicating. Yep, exactly. Do you have anything else you'd like to, any other advice or anything you'd like to offer this listener? Just so much love. That's all. Just so much love. And I just, I know how none of us sign up for it, right? None of us are like, yeah, I think I'm going to do this, (laughs) right? And yet here we are. And just so much love and just some encouragement that this is an opportunity to really dig deep and even to look at aspects of yourself that maybe have not been healed. I I think that these situations can show us like things from our past that need to be healed that become exposed to us through these situations. Mm -hmm. And so looking at the areas that as an opportunity to heal these parts that are now very prominent that we can see hurts that we've buried. Just give yourself so much love, so much compassion for all of it. And it's a process. It's a process and take your time. And I think that's another example of healing's not linear. I think people often are talking about that with like there's ups and downs, but it also goes like past, forward, present, yeah. like <sighs> You think you're just healing from this one thing, and then all of a sudden you're sitting with your dad and how he treated you as a child, or the way your mother treated you, or how that teacher talked to you in the second grade. It's just not linear. We get caught in this web. And so I know this listener mentioned healing the layers, but there may be more to go farther and farther back. There may Mm -hmm. be more deeper things to dive into. And even a question I would begin to ask you is what was your mother's relationship like with her rage? What role models have you had with rage and how has that affected you? Mm-hmm. Yep. What are you giving yourself permission to feel? What, who Who's like looking over your shoulder telling you, mm-hmm. oh, you then that's too much. That's too much or whatever that story is. And yeah, taking a look at it. And yes, thank you so much for this question. I'm sending you so much love as well. The healing journey is, it feels long and daunting, but 
it really is just one step at a time. And the more you peel back the layers, the lighter it gets. I feel like the more you just feel it in your body, which Mm -hmm. is what helps us to continue to move forward. Yeah. I think it can shift from this place of feeling really stuck to knowing you might have a journey ahead of you, but knowing that you're moving. Thank you so much for being here today. How would people reach you if they were interested in connecting with you further? Sure. So as Amanda mentioned, my podcast is Heal from Infidelity um, on all different platforms. You can find that. Um, My website, you can find me on my website, andreagiles.com, social media. I'm sure Amanda will probably put links into the show notes, but Yes. Um, the biggest thing that I do, like as far as my work with my clients is I run a group program. It's called No in 90. And it's a, a 90 day program where I help my clients really dig into the work of staying or going after infidelity. And then after that time is up, we stay in the same container for it's it's for another nine months of where there's support as they are really stepping into that decision. And sometimes the decision is to stay, sometimes it's to go, and sometimes it's to really intentionally wait and collect data and to know exactly what you're looking for from a really peaceful place. So either way, you're getting to a place where you're out of that stuck. I just don't know what to do to clarity and and moving forward and then having the support to move forward. Yeah, that's that's what it looks like to work with me. That sounds super powerful. I love that offering you Thank have. Thank you. Thank wow. you. Wow. Yeah. I love I'm sure it. that was cultivated after working with a lot of people yep. on your own journey. So I'm sure there's a lot of great gems in there. Thank you. I love it. It's so fun. And I just wanted to say thank you again for coming on the podcast. Your wisdom here and your advice was so wonderful. And I'm so glad that you agreed to come on and to share your wisdom with me and with the listeners and everyone who's a part of the New View Advice community. Well, thank you so much for having me. Sincerely, it was a pleasure. And I told Amanda this at the beginning before we were recording, but I really love the work that she's doing and shining a light on really hard topics. It's so needed. So it's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And I think the work you do is needed as well. And I love that you offer a shame-free environment because as you mentioned, when it comes to cheating, there's so much shame there. So the more that we can offer safe spaces... I think the more healing that will happen. And I think that's beautiful. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Andrea Giles. And I hope that we were able to offer you a new view on whatever you may be going through or a new perspective on infidelity or emotions or however this episode resonated for you today. If you have not already, I invite you to leave a rating and review for the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you can leave ratings on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Ratings and reviews are a great way to support the podcast. So if you enjoyed today's episode, I invite you to leave a rating and review for the podcast. Thanks again for joining me for another episode of New View Advice. As always, I am so grateful to be able to be here with you each week and to offer a new view on whatever you may be going through. Sending you all my love. See you next time.